You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hello, Bill. Good morning, Matt. Hello, Bob. Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing well. This is uh, uh... this is strange. Three people on DMZ. <laughs> A menage. There's, there's no, there's no limits on the DMZ. There's no rules in the DMZ, folks. <laughs> but wait, we've been doing this for how many years? But I don't think we've ever had three at one time. Is that right? Uh, never. Very, very dirty of you, Matt. I mean, we, we've, we've swapped partners occasionally, but we've never had three. <laughs> we, there, we, 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 TMI, TMI. <laughs> family, family network, family show. I mean, you know, look, you routinely refer to Andy Griffith, for God's sake. I mean, make up your mind. What kind of show is this? <laughs> A lot. What, what happens in Mayberry stays in Mayberry. Mayberry well. <laughs> you know, it's I'm guessing, but I, I'm guessing everyone who is a, a fan of, of the DMZ knows who Robert Wright is. But but maybe, maybe. Why don't you tell us tell us who you are? I thought you were going to say they know who Andy Griffith is. They're probably well. That goes without saying. That I does mean, go without on. saying. Okay, so <laughs> I am, and and if all goes according to plan, by the way, this show will be on both of our podcast feeds. So this is a special episode of the Right Show, a third one per week, whereas normally we do two per week, and an episode of the DMZ. We think if it turns out to be technically pos- possible to indeed put these things on all these feeds given the way our database works. Uh, but I, yeah, I'm Robert Wright. Uh, 17 and a half years ago, I co-founded Blogging Heads TV with uh, Mickey Kaus and a tech guy named Greg Dingle. Um, and that's a platform that you guys have been on for low these many years. You've been one of our regular shows. Uh, originally, there's a show called The Weekend Blog. Uh, Weekend blog was at least first weekend blog was October twenty eighth two thousand seven. So just that was not with me, right? That That was was not with you. Uh, That was I think initially with Con Carroll, and that was just under uh, fifteen years ago. And and Bill Butler, I think uh, he he occasionally subbed. But Bill and Bill and Con created some sparks. I gotta say. Khan was a different cat than Matt Lewis. <laughs> yep. And Khan, you know, Khan is over at uh, the Washington Examiner now. You know, he went to Heritage, and then he went on the Hill. He was he was a senator of Mike Lee for a long time, and you know, he always likes to throw big roundhouses. And um, in my opinion, not always rooted in uh, in a factual accuracy. Now, so now, Khan's <laughs> not here to reply. We cannot cast aspersions like that. I remember when Khan was at like National Journal's Hotline, and he appeared on Hugh Hewitt's radio show. This is my memory, and I that's think my, Hugh, that, that's Hugh, when he first came on because he was with the Hotline. He was, he was from a straight news operation, which is probably I think why Bob you brought him on. But Hugh accused him of being like a leftist or something, uh, which was yeah. now Compared funny. So. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, so anyway, people may wonder, what am I doing here? Part of the answer is I've actually long wanted to do this. I'm a fan of the show. I listen to DMZ, ideally Thursday night when you guys feel like posting on Thursday, <laughs> which is my preference because then I can listen to it Thursday night as I take a walk. And then I don't have to do any work uh, prepping for my Friday podcast with Mickey Kaus. I just repeat whatever you guys said. 
<laughs> I'm just like, I'm just like, you know, uh, Bill Sherr is my ventriloquist <laughs> since I'm kind of left of center, you know, but I also, I also draw on the valuable uh, perspective of Matt Lewis, which helps us understand what's going on on the other side of the political spectrum. Um, and, but really it's a great, uh, it's kind of perfect for me because I don't pay super close attention to Washington politics, really. And, uh, I, you know, it's not my first love, but, but I need to talk about it, uh, especially with Mickey and, uh, you guys are the perfect way to, to catch up. And, and the fact that you have these different perspectives, uh, makes it, you know, uh, gives you kind of a balanced understanding and the fact that you actually like each other, not to draw another contrast between, <laughs> between uh, Matt and Con Carroll, but the fact that you actually like each other makes it uh, a, a painless experience. I will, I will say, I did, in the Con Carroll days, I, I, at least one time I went down to D.C. and Con and I had dinner and we had a delightful conversation. Right. Uh, I, I found Con a perfectly pleasant company, you know, outside of being on air, but he was always a bird you with on air. Well, that's the funny thing is that there are people who uh, get along on air, but not in person, and people who get along in person and not on air. And <laughs> it, it's but 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 Bill and I, we uh, you know we we scratch. Well, yeah, I said well, both well with, with Matt, you know, with Matt, what you see is what you get. You know, <laughs> Matt doesn't have a a, a, a fake on not to say comes fake, uh, but doesn't have a, a, a an online. <laughs> Let's let's, let's devote this hour to trying to get Con to actually file a lawsuit, Bill. Okay, that's what. Uh, that's you know what, what you I guys should have done. You guys should have done like uh, like Simon and Garfunkel, where you record separately. You know, like he would ask a question, you reply to it. Uh, you wouldn't even need to interact. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but Matt started Matt's first the week in blog appearance was February two thousand nine. So a little more than 13 years ago. And he became co-host the month after that, official co-host. Um, and then he pulled the Michael Jordan, I'm going to go play baseball thing, quitting in 2010. <laughs> um, it, worked about, it worked about as well as Michael Wait, Jordan. What's, what sport did he take up? <laughs> I mean, was he focusing on CNN at that point or what? What was he, what was he doing in 2010? He was just, he just... He felt it. Oh, I remember. And there was that great collage of you guys, like walking on the beach and stuff. I will um, remember you, right? Yeah, prepared the by the, uh, the great uh, Milton Lawson. Um, but then you came back. It was like, uh, it, it was so good. People probably thought it was staged. It was like a, a fake breakup so that we could have the drama of the reunion episode. Well, he came back as a rotating co-host two months later. And then... Uh, right, was it Kirsten... Kirsten Anders well, Soltis Anderson. Well, she was, was, we, I mean, she was just Soltis back then. I mean, we, we so we demanded Carpenter. Um, you know, lots of luminaries. You know, grace the uh, uh, the weekend blog uh, gates, DMZ gates. Um, I feel like most of them have surpassed us, Bill. This, I'm not <laughs> sure what that says. That, but uh, yeah, there's it's, it's a star-studded, a star-studded cast of of people who have filled in. Uh, but you were uh, right. You became regular coast again, January 2012, and we and we became DMZ March 2012. So almost exactly yeah. 10 years ago was was this DMZ. That is amazing because you know we used to be the weekend blog, and basically we were going through what was happening in the blogosphere. You know what was Michelle Malkin mm -hmm. blogging about? Mm -hmm. What was 
Era, what was it? Eravos or I don't even know, like Daily Coast a- and all Atrio, these. Atrios and Daily Coast. <laughs> Atrios, yeah. I've, I combined them. Um, but the, I, that, I, that, I, well, but well, that I mean, sort of, you know, uh, the blogosphere is, is not what it once was. While we're, while we're, we're turning this episode to um, longstanding grievances of Bill Sher, uh, <laughs> I mean, one thing that's always under my skin, Atrios blocked me on Twitter. And I, and I, and I don't know why. Oh man! I mean, we were and we were both like you know OG bloggers in the bushes. I went to went stayed at his apartment when I did my book tour. And you know, I, I, I got. I mean, uh, let's just take turns. I got an A minus in 20th century American history when I deserved an A myself for a year. <laughs> uh, Matt, your turn. Do you have any grievances? Uh, I have many. I could air many of them, but yeah. no. It, it is it is interesting that the people along the way who. Uh, who you maybe were friends with in this business, and then and then they go they go away or they block you. Uh, <laughs> it's happened to me too, Bill. Sam Harris blocked me. I mean, let's do our blocking grievances. Sam, <laughs> Harris, Sam, blocked Sam Harris blocked you for yeah, real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, wow. if you re- if if somebody wrote the piece about you that I wrote about him, <laughs> blocking <laughs> blocking would be just the beginning. Um, but uh, so yeah, we want to. We're going to do a couple of things, right? Uh, first of all, we're going to talk about some changes to come. Uh, and But also, I want to continue the larger conversation, which I, you know, can include a certain amount of reminiscing. That that would be great with me. And also maybe some actual political uh, commentary analysis of the kind that people are used to. I, there, there are questions I want to ask you both along those lines. Um, uh, so this feels this feels like the big meeting though, where the boss calls in the employees and talks about downsizing or or even better, right sizing. Yeah. And so to the audience, I, I have to, to tell you now, we're letting some of you go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, you're fired now. <laughs> and also, Elon Musk has bought. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. No. So the first big change. Uh. You know, Matt chickened out and got a haircut. People already knew that, Dead, right? Yeah. Disappointed in you, Matt. You know, I mean, I make it even. Some of us haven't chickened out. You know, you stuck it out. <laughs> I, I'm thinking of going even shorter, Bill. This is like there was an ap- episode of The Simpsons where uh, Mr. Burns puts together the softball team full of ringers, and he keeps telling Don Mattingly to cut his sideburns. You know, a la <laughs> George Steinbrenner, and they keep eventually he's got like no hair. <laughs> and it's like, uh, Mattingly, cut those sideburns. And so Bill keeps getting on me. I'm, I'm going to like, the hair is going to keep getting shorter until Bill thinks I'm a conservative again. Turn it into an ongoing I, I, drama. I, I, you, should, you should go all the way to rock bottom and go man bun. Just, just be the absolute worst human possible. Well, I could still almost do it if I like shaved around the sides and I could pull the top up into a man bun. Like that could probably be done in a matter of months. Would you get booted out of church in West Virginia if you win man bun? Uh, it wouldn't help my standing, but I'm <laughs> well, already... I bet they questioned. were wild about the phase your hair already went through, right? At, at church, did you uh, have to sit at the back or anything? Nobody said anything, but, you know, it's... I now, I mean, I now know to a certain degree, like, what it... Because there was a time, as you know, where I, like, uh, uh, was the toast of the town, you know, uh, in D.C., uh, look, look in the part with the the whole Brooks Brothers uh, young Republican haircut, and then 
uh, I, I did experience like a little bit of like people following me around jewelry stores, you know? Really? So uh, I'm not saying that I've had the full experience of, 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 of uh, certain groups that have been historically oppressed, but I've had a taste of it with the long hair. Yeah, and I, heard he, and I heard he's vaccinated. <laughs> yeah, the, hip, that the hippie too. in the back pew was vaccinated. Yeah. So uh, other changes. Um, let's see how 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 to begin. For one thing, you you guys are going off to your own YouTube channel. Um, this is a this is kind of uh, there's a wave of this going on right now. In fact, you're you're the last to depart. So. Uh, there were four regular kind of blogging heads shows uh, on the blogging heads TV YouTube channel and the blogging heads TV site as of uh, some months ago. Glenn Lowry, uh, Arya Cohen Wade's uh, culturally determined, and you guys. Uh, we talked to a YouTube consultant. Happily, we didn't have to pay for him. Uh, he was a friend of a friend, but he was actually knew what he was talking about, and he said. Um, you know, it's actually in, it would be in everyone's interest probably uh, to migrate to your own YouTube channels. Unless you have, he, he said, he said YouTube channels, you know, he was talking about the way the algorithm works, basically. And he was saying, unless, uh, you know, it, it can be okay to have a bunch of different people or, uh, on a YouTube channel, as long as there's a lot of coherence ideological coherence or just subject matter coherence, but we don't really have that. In fact, that was kind of the point of blogging heads is you don't have that. Like Glenn Lowry is, you know, these distinctive set of issues, distinctive ideology, Arya Cohen Wade, different ballpark altogether and so on. So our entire model, our entire model of diversity flies in the face of the modern, like, way of monetizing uh, in, in the entire journalism industry, it seems. Well, I think it probably does. He was talking specifically about the YouTube algorithm, but I think it's, it's, you're right. It's, it's a, it's a, uh, this is one of the kind of uh, part of the dynamic of the polarization has been, I think that it's uh, hard to sustain an ideologically diverse audience. I mean, that's what makes YouTube unusual. It kind of makes me unusual because I have a variety of guests. I mean, I I have you know I'm the you know I'm the constant theme in the show, and I have my own ideology. But I I, I talk to you know Brett Stevens and 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 Bill Crystal and people who aren't exactly on my wavelength. Uh, so and yeah, that's that's hard to do. Uh, I'm still going to try to do it. You guys will still be doing it. But he convinced us it doesn't make sense for all of us to try to do our different things on the same YouTube channel. Um, and so, Glenn, we talked to him about that. He made the move earliest. Arie has moved. I, I'm not sure if he's going to be doing video. Uh, he's definitely moved to his own podcast, uh, Culturally Determined, which I recommend. Um, and now you guys are going to be doing this. Uh, now the, so first of all, they, people who want to watch you on YouTube should go to the, it's the Matt Lewis channel. Is that the channel this yeah. is going to be on? Yeah. Unfortunately, because of the difficulties of getting monetization on YouTube, <clears throat> ideally we would start a DMZ YouTube channel. Um, 
Instead, it'll be at youtube.com slash Matt Lewis. And I will create a DMZ kind of subsection where we'll post these. I, I that think that, way, that makes sense probably. Yeah. I mean, I think our, our consultant would say that makes sense. Uh, because for one thing, he said, uh, if you're going to maintain your own channel, bare minimum of frequency is once a week. You know, yeah. And so you should, you should be probably posting something that often. And I know you pass, post some of your own stuff, Matt, right? And and yeah, I think uh, between I think between what Bill and I do, and then what I'm already doing on you know on that same page with other right. people. And by the way, it's it, it's also me interviewing people that I don't necessarily always agree with as well. Uh, but it's it's similar in the sense that there are usually uh, very civil conversations. So I think that this will give us you know constant content uh, multiple times a week. And it'll be similar enough that hopefully it works. Yeah. So then there's a there's a different change happening that ultimately converges with this change. Um, but that is a you know kind of a rebranding thing, which is that uh, blogging heads the name is being pretty much retired. The YouTube channel will will be called. Uh, non-zero or Robert Wright's non-zero or something. The point is, it'll have the same name as my newsletter, non-zero. My own podcast feed will be re renamed from The Wright Show to Robert Wright's non-zero. Um, you know, people, there's a couple of reasons for this. Um, one is that people have long, especially people who, well, haven't been around for 17 years, which is, you know, <laughs> following me, which is a lot of people uh, who who uh, who don't fit that profile. They happen upon my stuff and they're like, I'm confused. I mean, there's a, there's a yeah. lot of, I mean, non-zero blogging heads is just the beginning of it. I won't bore you with the various different <laughs> brands I've floated and, and, and so on. But uh, a number of people have said, you really should uh, kind of pick a brand and, and stick with it. Uh, and... And so, you know, since I'm going to be, it's it's ultimately going to be only my content on the Blogging Heads YouTube channel, might as well be my brand. There's, there's another consideration, which is just that, you know, the era in which Blogging Heads makes sense is kind of over. I mean, you know, when Blogging Heads started uh, in November of 2005, we were, I think, the first ever on the whole internet. A uh, site where you had, you know, split screen dialogue, video dialogue uh, between two people who like weren't in the same place and were talking about politics, public affairs, and 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 so on. And uh, this was before broadband really hit, so we had to. The, the, I won't bore you with how we actually did this, but it wasn't like this as you were. As you I remember, were, we used to recall, literally like talk on a phone, on a phone, and you couldn't <laughs> see the person you were talking to. <laughs> And then yeah. you you would be recording a local video file, each of you. You would each upload your video files to a server afterwards. We would stitch them together and synchronize them. Uh, and, and so it was a convoluted technology. And that's why we were the first. It wasn't, it wasn't easy to do. And, um, and so it became this kind of mecca because at the same time, there was this whole new... Uh, phenomenon of the blog, there was this whole new category of journalists, kind of, that they weren't at these name brand newspapers. You weren't going to see them on TV, by and large, cable TV at that point. Blogging heads became the place where you saw them. And we yeah. would... We Although would, a lot of them, whether it's Ezra Klein or 
Oh, they went on, on the list. to be a lot of them ended up becoming. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, Chris Hayes, Ari Melber, a lot of the 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 video people did their their first video um, on blogging ads. A lot of cable TV potentates. Um, but uh, and we and we made a point to get you know people who disagreed together and so on. And so, you know, I, I think it performed an important service. It was on the New York Times for a while. Um, but now yeah, people, people forget you would go to the New York times website and it would be like, Bill and I would yeah. be on the home page. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. pretty amazing. No, it was. And then they naturally went to, they, they made a decision that they wanted to go to like highly produced video, which made sense, you know, uh, uh, high production values, which we didn't frankly have, uh, and, and, and highly produced edited and everything. Uh, so that was kind of and promoting um, and promoting their own in-house talent. Too. Yeah, that too, that too. Um, and uh, so, but anyway, uh, you know, it was this great thing, but the need for it is kind of past. I mean, you know, because now technology permits any two people in the world who want to have a, a split screen video content uh, a conversation and put it on YouTube to do that. And mm -hmm. And so people are naturally doing it in their own homes, their Substack newsletters and so on. So uh, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't particularly uh, make sense to keep trying to do that. I mean, I think, you know, if I had devoted my life to turning this into a huge enterprise and succeeded, uh, then, it, then it could still make sense because it would be the one place everybody wanted to come. And it would, you know, it would, uh, it would have this mammoth audience as a decent size audience, but but not an audience that's going to tempt Glenn Greenwald away from the audience he can generate himself, right? So, I mean, he, you know, these people show up every once in a while on my show or something. It's just that they don't, this is no longer going to be this kind of, uh, you know, this kind of yeah. mecca. So, so let me just say, you know, kudos to you and, and Mickey uh, for being at the vanguard of this. I mean, it not only was it just a logistical feat to pull off, but to have the, the vision to do it uh, is is super awesome. So uh, and I, and thanks, and I, thanks for I letting us be a part. And it's not just that you sort of lucked out and were the first to do something that someone else would have been the first to do if it wasn't for you. I think you put together a community of people that was very unique. And I'm not even sure it's been replicated ever since, you know, to have that, that kind of diversity of voices. No, it's interesting. I mean, we we tapped into a lot of, early blogging talent. I mean, not just people who went on to video, but, but, you know, Matt Iglesias and, and, uh, people like that. And, uh, you know, and, and people who at the time had these huge blogs like Ann Althaus and, and so on. And it, and it became the place, uh, they could talk. And what was interesting was a lot of them were talking for the first time. And in some cases they had written about each other in hostile fashion and you, 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 one thing you noticed was that face-to-face -face conversations tended to have a civilizing influence. It, it was, it was, even though they couldn't see each other, they were just, they were talking to each other and that uh, tended to lead to more productive um, dialogue. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, no, it was cool. And, and, uh, and, and. But also against the trend of the whole technology, which seems to have contributed to you know, polarization and siloing and echo chambers. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, I, at I, the I, time I, there was, you know, the tech utopianism though of the the hope that that all this stuff would would bring us together and democratize things and and uh that that didn't really work out. <laughs> uh not entirely, no. Uh I'm actually writing a piece about that in my newsletter this week in Actually uh, it did democratize things and that was a disaster. <laughs> well, what the, what, actually, what the founders that, always worried about. That's that's related to what I'm writing cuz I'm taking off on the John Height piece in the Atlantic that you probably have, have seen reference to. But um the uh so anyway, also I mean the name blogging heads, it's like blogging, the age of blogging is kind of over. Uh a lot of people probably don't even get the reference, which was to talking heads, not not so much the group. I mean, the group itself was named after uh talking heads in the sense of like people on TV talking, like and anchor pundits. people, pundits, Wah. anchor, anchor men, and so on. And uh and I, I think, uh, so it's a, it was a great brand. Now, I do think we're going to leave the name on the site, the Bloodhead TV site itself, which is no longer where most people imbibe the video. Most people just do it on YouTube. And for that matter, there are more people uh, who listen to it than watch it on the audio podcast. Uh, so that's a, a real minority of the audience. But. That site will continue, I think, to just have the name Blogging Heads. It'll be at the same URL. It'll be a place where people can find the archives. And at least, you know, for the next few months, it will be a place where they can find, uh, you know, uh, assuming that that what we've been talking about works out, they can find your show if they want to watch it there, which uh, which is uh, great. And, uh, and, and Glenn's show. Um, the same is true for the Blogging Heads TV audio podcast feed. You'll be able to find Glenn's stuff, your stuff, for a few months. Um, probably after that, you'll need to go to YouTube if you want to watch the video or their own uh, audio podcast feeds if you want to listen to the audio. But we'll we'll get plenty of, there'll be plenty of notification about that transition coming from the people you're listening to. Like but you I've guys. i found... In all my time, you know, I've been literally blogging almost 20 years now. I mean, my first blog was about 20 years ago. So I've been writing online for all that time. And every time I've moved to something else, I would think, well, everyone who reads me now will follow me where I go next. And that always was never true at all. Yeah. <laughs> now you got to work and, 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 and at that. And, and so I think, you know, you two should, uh, either have some kind of recorded preamble on your audio podcast uh, weeks and weeks and weeks ahead of any transition like that. In other words, if you're, if you're not going to be on the blogging his TV audio feed, give them plenty of notice. Yeah. Um, same with the, you know, the, the video site. Um, but you're right. Uh, it, it's shocking that, that uh, how few people seem to wake up in the morning saying, "Wherever Bob Wright is, I'm going to go find him." Darn it! Um, <laughs> there's, there's so much. There's happen. so much. Well, there's just there's so much competition now for our attention. Um, and you know, Chris Wallace learned this the hard way, right? I mean, this is a guy. Chris <laughs> Wallace is a guy who I would argue was perhaps the best Sunday morning. Host, um, great interviewer, tough, smart, uh, good debate moderator. Um, and if I were flipping the channels and I ran by him on Fox News and he was interviewing somebody, like I very well might stop and watch. But like, it's not like I'm a 
Chris Wallace fan that I'm going to like sign up <laughs> right. for C. I'm not going to sign up for CNN Plus to get Chris Wallace. <laughs> and so, like, if Chris Wallace has this problem, how could any? You know, I mean, that's just an example of how all of us are are hustling out there oh, to. Uh, oh, Chris just, Wallace has an even bigger problem right now, which he jumped to a new platform that then got incinerated. So. Yeah, that was. Yeah, but part of the reason, it, but part of the reason it got incinerated was people like Chris Wallace weren't a, in, in and of themselves weren't that's able right. to to bring an audience. Yeah, there's just so much content out there. I mean, it, it's a jungle. And, and you know, we should remind people for that reason to, like, whoever you want to support, certainly if it's one of us, but whoever you want to support, support them. I mean, rate rate and review. You know, do what you can. Share their content. If you, if you really believe in anybody, you, 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 should, you should give them that help because it's, the competition is just super intense. Um, you're, you know, and, and more, you tend to see after things go through this period of a, a thousand flowers blooming, you know, the early blogosphere, the early podcast, uh, era, you tend to get consolidation, big platforms, buying up the big blogs, you know, like Andrew Sullivan's blog, it went to time and then the Atlantic or vice versa or something. Um, and so, you know, People like us do face not just competition from a lot of people like us, but increasingly competition from like major well-funded platforms yeah. that are doing a lot of marketing. Mm. I don't and want I to generate say, too much pity, but a little would, would be nice. <laughs> well, I, I could just be honest about it. it it's tough to, uh, to stay in this, in this industry. Um, it, the, the changes that are taking place to, to stay relevant um, I could just tell you, like, as a conservative uh, who once upon a time was able to provide a service and have a sort of a niche of explaining conservatives and, and oftentimes explaining, like, here's why you shouldn't be afraid of us. These are, we want to help people flourish and let me explain it to you. Um, that entire deliverable has basically been undone. Um, and now there's like a new breed of people on the right who are, um, you know, on the alt-right or the nationalist or the populist right who are very relevant. They're getting tons of Twitter followers. They're starting podcasts, whatever. Um, they're getting a ton of attention now and they're much more relevant uh, in the sense of they are, uh, you know, sort of at the forefront of the weird right-wing stuff that's happening now. And so it is, um, you're sort of climbing, it's like Donkey Kong, like you're climbing a ladder trying to get ahead in your career but people are moving the ladders and they're throwing barrels on you. Um, and I could just say like in my personal life, I'm experiencing all, all sorts of a, of a season of changes. And um, this is just one more of them. I mean, life is full of changes and we, you know, we embrace them. Um, but uh, the fact that blogging heads as an institution is, is, is not going to be what it once was. Um, there's a little bit of, uh, of of a feeling of loss and and of of more change being thrust on us. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely it's a it's a bittersweet feeling for me. There would be a, a much higher ratio bitter to sweet if I weren't going to keep doing what I'm do what I've been doing on the platform, yeah. and if people like you weren't going to keep doing what they started doing on the platform. I mean, I feel great about the fact that you guys probably wouldn't be doing this uh, if we, we hadn't started blowing yeah. heads. I mean. Glenn yep. Lowry, for God's sake, who's now like a national phenomenon. I mean, of course, he was a he's a well-known intellectual in his own right, 
but he would have been unlikely to stumble onto a platform like like an audio video platform, which is what really helped him uh, kind of you know catch the the wave that he's caught. Uh, you know, he and he he and John McWhorter, they'd probably know of each other, but they're like this you know major piece of online chemistry now, yeah. and, and, and mm-hmm. they still will be. I mean, so that's great, and all the. You know, this has been very helpful to me, I can say. And I've, Bill and I have talked about this before, but there have been multiple occasions where I would be recognized on the street in D.C. Uh, back when I worked in downtown every day. And more often, I was more often noted for blogging heads than for <laughs> CNN or anything else. You know, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, years and years ago, this was during the Scooter Libby uh, prosecution because I was having coffee with David Korn in D.C. He was another early blogging head. And uh, I remember the prosecutor walked in, whatever his name was, Fitzpatrick or something. And uh, David Korn pointed him out. And, and, and David was uh, at that point saying, well, why don't, you know, maybe you should start gen- generating like a little revenue for blogging heads and like giving giving me a piece of the action. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and right after the he typical, said, typical capitalist. Yeah. You know, these leftists, <laughs> they call themselves leftists, but what do they want in life? The, yep. um, so, uh, but anyway, right after he said that, uh, some young woman walks in and looks at us and says, you guys are on blogging heads TV. And then she walked out. I said, David, <laughs> you should be paying me. Okay. Uh, well, maybe he paid her to come in and pretend that she recognized. Actually, him. I paid her, but <laughs> I, I left that part out. Anyway, um, no, that was uh, that was uh, cool. Glenn used to say he was recognized in foreign countries, um, and uh, so anyway, here we are. Now there's a billion podcasters, but we're still standing, and honestly, that's like an accomplishment in this environment. Um, so. Uh, so why well, I mean, don't before we sorry yeah. no I was going to say we we should probably do some actual mm-hmm. you know DMZing absolutely we're all here together yeah um, no I want to uh, I want to um, I, I, as I'm a regular listener there's some questions first, I want to ask first time you. caller first time first caller, time caller first time yeah. guest <laughs> uh, long time host uh, but um, I want to ask you some. Uh, big picture questions. I mean, anything you want to bring up about this week's news, fine. Uh, but, you know, the big looming questions are, I would say, uh, for Matt, will Donald Trump be the nominee? Uh, and for Bill, will Joe Biden be the nominee? And should he? I know Matt's answer to the should he part of the Trump mm. question, no. Uh, but um, uh, that's even Mickey Kaus's answer now and mickey voted for him twice um but uh i'm curious about your takes on those not to force you to make a prediction that will ruin your reputation in a couple of years (laughs) that's that's already shot man uh in the sense of uh when when you write three columns a week and do two or three podcasts a week there aren't a lot of uh uh you know uh, there are not a lot of unpublished thoughts. So I've got a lot of predictions out there. I'll say uh, to your question about Trump, um, the first caveat is that, that obviously nobody knows anything, right? Um, so we, I'll just be completely transparent and, and, and modest about it. Um, nobody really knows what's going to happen. But I think if you're betting, you do bet on Trump. I mean, um, 
I don't think maybe if it's Trump versus the field, but I think you still go. I, I, I think just the smart money is that you bet on Trump. He's the nominee. If, if Elon Musk lets him back on Twitter, does that help Trump? Uh, I'm going to say it does. Now, this is a this is a, a controversial thing. Uh, I remember during when Glenn Youngkin was running uh, for Virginia uh, for governor of Virginia last year. Uh, I actually think Youngkin was aided greatly by the fact that Donald Trump was not on Twitter. Uh, so I get the fact that there can be uh, that, that 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 Trump's presence on Twitter can have uh, consequences that would hurt other Republicans. But in terms of Trump himself, I think it does help Trump. Well, you know, both of these questions cannot be fully answered before the midterms occur, because that's going to have a huge impact on both, on the standing of both Biden and Trump. Uh, I mean, right now, you know, you would say it's going to be a bad midterm year for Democrats. Biden's numbers are low 40s. Inflation is high. Um, there isn't a fantastic uh, legislative win that Democrats are championing. Maybe they should be championing infrastructure more, but they've been, they've not. Um, uh, so if things go as a midterm typically goes, on top of the fact that Biden is uh, going to be in his 80s, his 80th birthday, I think, is this year. Um, is um, it? That explains a lot. I think he turns 80 towards the end of the year, if I remember. I have to double check that. Yeah, you're um, probably right. Um, so, like, literally the day after the midterm, the night of the midterm, if it's a bad midterm, the chatter cranks up. Um, is this the guy to lead us? This, this weakened guy who couldn't, who couldn't stave off calamity of the midterm, is he the guy to lead us against what may well be Donald Trump and save us from total disaster? So, and if, and if, and if Biden doesn't make a quick decision, I would think people will jump in and force his hand. Well, he did because, say he did say this week. I think he officially announced he is running again. Well, I mean, he, he said didn't, he didn't launch the campaign, but right. You know what he, I'm made some, he made some comment that he's, that's his intention. But you until until you file the paperwork, yeah. not everyone's going to believe it. And so, someone, I mean, look, if you're someone who has an eye towards 2024, uh, and Biden hasn't been crystal clear, I mean, if Biden doesn't run, I don't care. Your things with Kamala Harris, she would be the Natural front runner, as I've said a zillion times, VPs almost always win presidential primaries. They have a huge leg up. They have the name ID. They have donor networks, and Kamala's got an extra advantage, uh, which is I mean, there's not a whole lot of polling on this, but what we have seen, her standing with African Americans is much much higher than what it was in the primaries in 2020. Mm. So you don't win the Democratic nominee nomination without a healthy chunk of the African American vote. Uh, particularly in South Carolina, the way the schedule is currently constructed. Now they're gonna, they may move South Carolina even higher up in the process, which I actually don't agree with. I think clean up spots, the best spot. They, they control the democratic process since 2008. Why give up what's a golden spot? But anyway, um, nevertheless, they will still have a lot of power one way or the other. So if, if it's not going to be Kamala, you got to find a way into that community. Or find a way to splinter that community so it's not as powerful as it once was. Um, so that's a tall order. And 
if you have any kind of shot at it, you got to get, you get, you need some first mover advantage. You can't wait and be the last one in. You got to start claiming some of that constituency for yourself. So I think there's incentive for non-Biden-Harris candidates to move quickly if Biden or Harris don't themselves, which is why I think Biden is trying to send these signals out now, assuming he means it, because he doesn't want to have a primary challenge. He wants to shut that down as quickly as possible. Well, do you, um, do you think any aspirants should wait until the midterms, or do you think it could actually be in somebody's advantage to throw their hat in the ring before the midterms? Does that does that seem like bad form? I think it will see. I think it would seem bad form. But you're you're the disruptive one. I mean, the, the period between now and November should be mm-hmm. unity time. I mean, the only way to save the midterm for Democrats is for them to be unified, for Republicans to be divided. Right. Well, so that, that part, that part is midterm. happening. Well, the, 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 the division the part is happening, and the division, I mean, division on both sides right now. Yeah, I would say, and you know, right. I, the, and a tie there then goes to the runner Republicans, not yeah. to. No, Republicans have have the wind at their back. But I mean, just today I'm watching people like Matt Gates attack Kevin McCarthy. And this this is why if we let so let's here here is the uh, the best case scenario for Democrats. Inflation starts to uh, curtail. Uh, They manage to pass some sort of reconciliation bill, give progressives some kind of reason to to get excited all over again. Ukraine is looking even more positive than it is right now, uh, as far as Biden's foreign policy is concerned. While Trump is sowing division amongst Republicans, and some of Trump's endorsees either lose their primaries or even more damaging, win their primaries and lose the generals and throw away seats that they should have won. In that circumstance, Biden may look like, hey, this this guy can still run, run circles around Trump. And Republicans might say, why the hell are we going in with this guy a third time? He was president. He lost the House. He lost the Senate. He lost the presidency. He blew a, a golden midterm for Pete's sake. Why is this guy our leader? But we can't know any of this until the midterm actually happens. Now, yeah. Matt, is your logic on Trump that, A, the Republican Party is now the Trumpist party and Trump is Trump. I mean, that is that the logic behind saying he's he's going to be the guy who gets the nomination if he wants it? You can't you can't out Trump Trump among Trumpists and Trumpists are going to decide the nomination. Is that is it kind of that simple? Yeah. And and, and the polling would all lead uh, to us to conclude that he still is the dominant by far the dominant force in the Republican Party. Uh, and he craves attention and, and he wants to be in the center of things. So I think he has the motivation to run. I would say that I do think um, Ron DeSantis uh, is is obviously deserves a mention here. I mean, this is a guy who um, is you know younger than Trump, more relevant in the sense that he's actually in government now. He's a, the governor of Florida, obviously, and he is. If you actually care about the culture war stuff, like if you're one of these JD Vance types um, who uh, is, really wants to not just, you know, self-aggrandize Donald Trump, but actually accomplish things in the culture war, DeSantis is actually doing that. Um, so I, I I don't discount him, but I still think if you're betting, you bet on Trump at this point. I, I wrote a piece at the front of the year for Politico analyzing the potential 2024 candidates. 
And my take on DeSantis was he is doing the best job of being, you know, Trump 2.0, but that doesn't get you very far if you're running against Trump. Um, <laughs> when when, when right. Trump is when, in, in the early polling, when Trump is not in the mix, DeSantis is the front runner with Pence right behind him. Um, if Trump is in the mix, then DeSantis has a harder time. Now, DeSantis may be, I mean, my, my knock on DeSantis was he hasn't carved out a path for himself that's distinct from Trump, where Pence at least has. Pence has a reason for running, even if Trump is in there. Whether you think he's got a shot or not is another story, but there, there's, a, there's a case that, that's been developed. Um, and I don't think DeSantis has quite made that case. Now, maybe the case simply is, uh, I'm kicking ass and taking names. Uh, I'm not going to be necessarily mean to Trump and disparage his presidency. I'm just going to put myself out there and show you what I've done in Florida, and you can make a yeah. real mind. If you, if you really believe... Like, I bet you, like, Ann Coulter, I've not heard her talk about this yet, but I bet you Ann Coulter is really on, I, I assume she's really on Team DeSantis. And I'm guessing Mickey might be, too, Mickey Kaus, because they M- Mickey, actually... Mickey seems like a big J.D. Vance fan, too. I was going to ask you yeah. what you think about that, but I'll do that later. Go ahead. Well, my point was going to be, like, Mickey and Ann Coulter, um, they like Trump, but they don't love him for the disruption or the chaos mm-hmm. They want to do things. They want well, to accomplish populist well, Mickey, national Mickey extent. and Coulter are very immigration specific. Right? Sure. And, and I'm, not saying that, I'm not saying that there's enough Mickeys and Ann Coulters to, uh, to build a, a 50% plus one coalition, even in the Republican Party. But I do think that DeSantis has, has carved a niche in the sense that like Trump talks about stuff. He's, he's chaotic. But DeSantis is actually doing it. He's actually taking on the left. But on immigration? Well, no. I mean, not specifically on immigration. I'm just saying, like, on the culture war. But immigration is no longer. I know with Ann and Mickey, immigration is is still at the center. But 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 I think that things like CRT and the trans issue, trans and CRT uh, and cancel culture, like those issues have become the dominant. Um, uh, culture war issues, not Im- immigration is, is, is not up there, I don't think. Well, an abortion might come very soon too because the Supreme Court may rule uh, in June that Roe was either gone or severely weakened. And DeSantis just passed the 15-week abortion ban, which is, it puts him in line with Mississippi, not in line with Texas, which has the six-week you know, fetal heartbeat ban. Um, so I don't know if that puts him a little bit at odds with some folks on the social right. They didn't even go all the way. Um, this week's another thing that I wrote just this past week, why I just sort of raised the question, I didn't quite answer it. Is Florida still a swing state? Um, now I wrote an earlier piece suggesting that getting rid of Roe was not going to be good for Republicans, but specifically because you got a bunch of sunbelt states, which are purple trending blue that are Republican run. And now they're going to be forced to make a call on abortion. That's not necessarily in line with where the constituencies are going. I'm thinking Texas, I'm thinking Arizona, I'm thinking North Carolina. Um, Florida may be the other direction. I mean, Florida may be one that's going more to the right because influx of conservative retirees, not the New York, New Jersey retirees, but the Midwest retirees uh, and working class Latinos who are culturally conservative and uh, every anti-socialist, Cubans, Venezuelans, uh, that, 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 those sort of people. Um, so... This is a real test because DeSantis is not governing like a swing stater. 
He's governing from the hard right. I mean, he's going well out of his way to pick culture war fights. Yeah. What would be interesting is if Trump were out of the way, Glenn Youngkin versus Ron DeSantis Mm -hmm. would be a very interesting Mm -hmm. head to head. I would love to see that. That that would have been like, that would have been like what I wanted. I wanted there to be like a Rubio versus a Ted Cruz match in Mm -hmm. 2016 and to settle Mm -hmm. this question, like which, which of these two parties are we going to be? And I felt like Trump interrupted that kind of organic, uh, uh, settle set, uh, the ability to sort of settle who we were, and that would be interesting to see as well. Well, Youngkin's interesting. Youngkin is sort of like a Mitt Romney circa you know two thousand eight because you know Romney was governor of Massachusetts. So he got, look at me, I'm a Republican and one in a blue state. And then over the course of his term, he got increasingly conservative. You know, he he locked down health health insurance reform, and they started picking more you know, red meat fights, knowing he wasn't going to run for re-election, didn't have to face Masters voters again. Right. And he can go to Republican primaries and say, yeah. hey, I, and I young, fought young the good can fight can't, can can't Young can't run limited, for right. So he's not worrying about making middle-of-the-road voters happy. DeSantis has to win re-election in November. Uh, now, polling to date shows he's in fairly good shape, but we haven't seen polls since he went after Disney, which is, you know, the Florida company. He's trying to say it's a company from Burbank, which is nominally true, but the bigger resort is is in Orlando. It is, you know, 50 million tourists a year. It's $75 billion in the Florida economy. Um, and it's not like everyone who comes to Disney World is like a is like a hipster from Brooklyn. You know, yeah. it's, pretty, it's still seen as a middle-of-the-road company culturally by a lot of people. Uh, so it's a again, if it's not a swing state anymore. Maybe that doesn't matter. Um, but I don't think we've seen polls to let us know if going against one of the most identifiable business in your state works for him. Not to be this whole math textbook thing. Which, right. But, um, I, and, and I, but let me just jump in and play the conservative here because I, I agree with what you said. But I would also say that because Disney is because Disney's constituency are kind of is middle America. Maybe they should not have been doing some of the, you know, radical mm. stuff that that they were at least some of the recordings that came out of meetings of some of the more mm. creative types at Disney uh, would lead you to believe that they well, were I mean, out of touch with kind of the middle American values. I mean, the Sanders is basically saying to Florida, we're on one side of the culture war and Disney's on the other. Uh, and if Florida is a red state, then that may be a perfectly fine place for DeSantis to be. If it's not quite that red yet. Um, and mind you, I mean, I mean Florida's not insulated from the economy. There's inflation in Florida. Uh, so I mean, you know, Democrats don't have a, have a nominee yet. The, the primary is not for another four months. You know, what happens if it's Charlie Crisp, Nikki Free, and there's a third person whose name escaped me, who's, who's Latina. Um, if they're able to say, well, DeSantis is picking all these nonsense fights the economy here is terrible. He's not taking care of business as governor because he wants to try to out-Trump Trump. And I'm going to actually run this state in a way that's going to raise your cost of living. Um, there's an opening to, to try to do that. But of course, it requires having a, a single nominee and a single voice. And again, this is, I think it's a test. I mean, I don't, I, I don't think we can declare prematurely Florida is red and descendants is a lock based on you know, February polls. There's, there's more to play out here.
Matt, I, I want to hear your view on J.D. Vance. The uh, I guess he's a pretty unlikely candidate for this time around for president. You can imagine a scenario. But Mickey pays a lot of attention to him as if in the long run he could be the messiah of Trumpism. I, I don't I don't know. I look at him and he just doesn't seem to me to look or sound like a natural, effective politician. And yeah. and uh, but but, you know, his cultural milieu a lot better than either I or Mickey does. So for that reason, among others, I'm curious about your your take on him. Well, he doesn't strike me as like a, a great natural politician, like a Bill Clinton or a Ronald Reagan or something like that. Um, but I think that he is um, in the mold. Obviously, obviously, he's bankrolled by Peter Thiel mm -hmm. um, by a lot of money. Obviously, he has his own celebrity status as a you know best-selling author of Hillbilly Elegy. Um, obviously, he has Trump's endorsement. He is now now the front runner for that uh, Senate race in Ohio. Um, so not, not not by a lot yet. It's no. Still, still it's close. always been tight. Even when he was yeah. like in fourth place, it was <laughs> fourth or fifth place. He was like within three points, I think, mm -hmm. of of, uh, of first. So it's it, it's unclear to me. You know, I, it's too soon to say that he's going to be the winner, but he's now the front runner. Um, I don't see him as um, this kind of charismatic leader of the party um, as, a, as a figurehead or a front runner, you know, sort of a presidential candidate. Mm -hmm. I do see him sort of like as a Josh Hawley, someone who um, is, is smart and sophisticated in, in a sense, um, and someone who is like very ideologically committed now to this kind of populist nationalist thing in a way that like DeSantis is, in a way that Holly is, in a way that Tucker is, and in a way that Trump is not. And so I think, I would think that, that J.D. Vance could be a very important um, and significant senator advancing this, this philosophy. I do not see him on my kind of short list of people I would bet on um, to be a, a future, you know, president. Mm. And Bill, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Do you agree with me as, as somebody who uh, uh, would like me, like the Democrats, to win the next presidential election? Mm -hmm. I think you don't agree with me. I personally consider both Biden and Kamala Harris disastrous candidates for the Democrats. I, I, just, I just think they both have real trouble in a general. Now, obviously... If Trump is the alternative, that opens up possibilities because A, he's a little bit of a polarizing figure and B, you never know what he'll do. Uh, but, but I just think if you almost randomly select the Democratic senator or governor or something, this is a slight exaggeration, but you're in better shape than with either Biden or Kamala. I could go through my reasons if you want. I mean, on Biden, I don't know if you remember, but I think it was a couple of years before the last presidential election. I think it was before he had e was even officially a candidate. We had a little Twitter exchange. It was kind of incidental. Yeah. You probably don't remember it, but I said- uh, I remember. I had just seen him on ABC and I said, you know, this guy is losing it cognitively. I didn't put it quite like that. Mm -hmm. But I said, I predict there if he runs for president, and maybe he was already running, but it, it was a ways earlier. I, I predict 
there will be one of these moments that really gets a lot of attention. Like, does this guy have it together anymore? It turned out there was no disastrous moment, but there were moments. He also was able to, he was also able to hide. I mean, I I don't mean that like in a pejorative sense, but he did not have to run a normal campaign because of COVID. So that's that's true. That's very true. He was able to do a lot of stuff on Zoom, a lot of stuff from his basement. If he had been out there on the hustings, hustling day in and day out, being followed by a press corps, that may have materialized. And he does some of that now. And I think, although, of course, some of these videos are edited unfairly, I see alarming signs. I mean, you know, there's a number of things, including some that I think are uh, could be gravely consequential. You know, I mean, like when you're in the middle of a war involving Russia, I think you should stick to the script. Right. And and uh, and I, I'm a little alarmed. He doesn't seem to be entirely doing that. And uh, but but more than that, it's just these weird things like when he was talking to those troops in, I think, Poland and saying like, well, when you get to Ukraine, you'll see. Like, um, I don't think they're going to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And if they are, you should have led with that. That's the fucking news. Okay, see, Joe. I, mean, I, I don't I don't see things like that as as cognitive decline. You know, these strike me as very much in line of Biden, you know, middle-aged Biden, not just elderly Biden. Um, speaking loosely, not always being super literal. Like we say when you when you say when you see Ukraine, it doesn't have to be like when you literally cross the border as ground troops in Ukraine, just more colloquially, if you see Ukraine, if you saw it up mm-hmm. close, you would see X, you know, and you know, t- say genocide loosely, this guy has to go loosely. That seems like kind of Biden, you know, Mr. Everyman. He's always know. been a little loose lipped. There's no doubt yeah. about it. Um, not to say that there aren't signs of aging. Right. Um, you know, he, he doesn't have the same crispness that he had when he was you know, 50 years old, but I don't think it's quite the same as cognitive decline. And I don't think he's, and he hasn't had a Diane Feinstein type obvious repeating yourself loss of memory yeah, but I just you know, think, kind of moment. I mean, even if you want to view it as normal decline, like you said, he's going to be 80. Yeah. And, and, well, look. And, 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 and what are the chances that he'll get through a, presid- a presidential campaign four years after the last one without kind of moments that raise questions that are bigger than the moments we saw last time around? It's, I, it's it's not an ideal place for Democrats to be in. <laughs> Thank you. Know? you. Uh, and you know when you when you're 80, I mean it just, it just hovers over everything. I mean he's not as vigorous a presence as he once was. He's not on your TV every day reminding you that you know I'm still totally on point. That he's he's parceled out. Uh, and when there are other examples of you know, Democrats in disarray. I mean, take Title 42, for example. Just the fact that the party doesn't have its act together on it. That Biden puts out a statement that we're going to get rid of this thing and there's this whole pushback and this question whether they have a plan for the aftermath. Um, it just, it, it, I'm not saying it's I'm not saying this is fair or accurate, but it sort of gives the impression that, you know, who's running the show here? Mm-hmm. Um or, or Biden, Biden saying, I think you should be able to wear, not have to wear a mask on a plane. And then the same day, the CDC and Justice Department file a lawsuit. You know, I, on, on one hand, people don't like having uh, 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 excessive uh, executive power and want deference to 
civil service sometimes, but then when you see it in action, it feels like, hey, who's running the show here? So all that combined is not a great alignment of stars for Democrats. And ideally, I and I thought this was going to be the case for a while that Biden would have you know one solid term and say, I did my part here. See, uh, have a good have a good life. Um, but I think I think that would be the smart thing for him, and he could go down in history as having done a great service for the country. He, I, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I was the Trump killer. I realized mm-hmm. that you know it's time for me to go. That would be wonderful. Yeah, but, it, but but if but if he's handing us, you know, I think John Maxwell says, uh, without a successor, there is no success. Mm-hmm. If if Joe Biden is handing us and the Democratic Party an heir apparent that's Kamala Harris, yeah, and the stakes are she's now going up against Trump. Those are the stakes. Um, I don't know if you want like if, if that's a great no, way well, to write I, off. As I said, sunset. I think they're both. I I think they're both deeply problematic. Well, yeah. well, I just well, I think it's just a tragedy in this country. I mean, this is an obvious point, but I just think it is so tragic that these are the best people we have to offer. Well, let me let me let me get, let me get to Kamala. I do. I'm, I'm running a little late on their meeting, but I want to. I do want to finish this conversation. Um, so I mean, Biden was. I'd argue the strongest nominee for 2020 because Democrats, while very much a multicultural, um, culturally liberal, progressive party, mm-hmm. uh, and have done a good job pulling in college-educated suburbanites from Republicans and broadening their base that way, you still need some working-class support. You can't totally pretend that that isn't a huge part of the country. And if you're going to get the 50% plus one, you got you to be that, that broad. Right. And Biden was very uniquely situated because the party is not recruiting from the coal mines, right. not recruiting from the steel workers for their politicians. I mean, and you might say Biden's attachment to the to labor is, is phony, but, it's, but he's been pulling that shtick Literally since his first campaign in 1972. Yeah, on paper, uh, I, I agree with all that. I, I'm just saying, I mean, just, just a couple of things like, A, the question isn't, is he suffering from cognitive decline? The question is, does the way he will behave from now until the election give the opponent uh, the opportunity to create a bunch of killer videos? And the answer mm-hmm. is yes. There's going to be a bunch of killer videos. Mm-hmm. B, it's like, look at where we are. Inflation is going to be a big problem. Uh, the, it's just well, not going to be a great. It's just not going to be a great. It's not necessarily his fault, although the the U, the Ukraine war sanctions, which were his doing, are contributing to it. But 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 it's just now maybe the pandemic will finally resolve itself. That'll cheer people up. I just think he's going to have what looks like a bad environment in which to be an incumbent. That'll apply to some extent to Kamala. I think the Democrats. Well, not going to apply to anybody. I mean, if De- if Democrats are going to twenty twenty four with inflation still bad. Um, I mean, that's it's Jimmy Carter all over again. You know, I mean, I, no, I, Jimmy I, I, Carter was the incumbent, though. I'm saying right. what you don't want is the incumbent running in an environment like that. I don't but know, I, Matt. Do you have but, any? But uh, I think, but I think I agree with what Bill's probably going to say that um, that it's tra- it would it would the bad news would transfer to whoever the Democratic nominee is, and that the environment and uh, probably would not would not be favorable to a Democrat. If we have all these things continuing, and and Bob, I'm with you. I, I think that uh, inflation is not going away anytime soon, um, and that they probably should just keep raising interest rates. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, we may raise interest rates, and, and they probably should raise interest rates. 
but that may trigger a recession, which also yeah. would be not good for Democrats short run. Um, Got to go through I, I, it I wanna, sometimes. I want to get back to Kamala, though, because to the extent that Biden is going to be, you know, damaged goods by 2024 and you want a fresher face, you still need somebody who can stitch together that kind of coalition. And the obvious knock against Kamala, and I, and I, I, I'm not a Kamala hater. I've been, I've been very, I've been very, very positive on Kamala in a lot of respects. I would have written, but I do think it's an objective fact that they have not used the last 18 months and, and probably next six months following to shore her up and build a reputation in working class communities. I thought she would have been spending a lot more time on factory floors and labor halls in this period. Uh, so I don't think they've they've given her the opportunity. To I mean, the, the value of being VP is that you get it, you get facing that nobody else has, uh, and instead she's been put into a lot of awkward positions. She's made her own gaffes, um, so she, she's not a great she's not a great political talent at all, and, well, and that, that's part of the problem. I just don't think she's very good. I, I I'm I'm not as hard on her as that. I mean, I think VP is a tough gig for anybody. There's very few people that come out of VP looking awesome. <laughs> Every VP looks lesser, well, I should say, more precise about this, I've said this before. We're used to VPs in semi-recent history being the the political elder statesperson next to the young, fresh-faced president. Um, it hasn't been since Bush Quayle where you have the elder statesman president and the young upstart as VP. And Quayle had a very rough VP. Um, so. Uh, Kamala is has an extra complication, has several extra complications. Uh, she had she wasn't in Washington all that long in the first place. She doesn't have Washington relationships. She hasn't been in a lot of Washington circumstances, crucibles to sharpen those skills. Plus, she's a first. She's the first woman. She's the first person of color. So she's being held to that you know kind of Jackie Robinson standard, which is which can be very tough. Uh, so she has a lot of challenges in that respect, uh, and. Uh, but it doesn't mean that there's somebody else on the bench that is perfectly situated to put together that kind of broad coalition because the Democrats are full of college-educated, wonky, hipster uh, types who don't have a lot of currency either with white working class or black working class for that matter. I mean, you can't be, it was a Pete Buttigieg should be the second coming. He got hammered in 2020 because he had no ties to the black community, and he hasn't built them up in the last two 18 months. So if you're Pete Buttigieg, why do you make your next political act running against Kamala Harris so you can be hammered again for getting in the way of the advancement of an African-American I'm, I'm not advocating a Pete Buttigieg mm -hmm. candidacy. Don't but who worry. Do you, but who, but who do you advocate? You know, who well, is the obvious tough. person? I mean, what's the name of that guy, the senator in the Midwest who apparently had, some people thought he didn't run because he had skeletons in his car. Sure, sure, Brown. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, he's the type. Uh, but, you know, I sometimes I'll just see a guy on on TV like a, a Chris Murphy and think, well, he's not too charismatic, but, you know, he, he he's smart. He's not going to screw up. He's you don't you don't like there's no constituency that looks at him and dislikes him in the, in the Democratic Party. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I don't know his exact legislative record, but uh, it just seems to me. Kamala alienates a lot of people. The left left doesn't like her. 
uh, you know, I, I, I think that is not. I think that, that doesn't matter. So that, okay, that, fine. That, but, that's but, a plus, not a minus. <laughs> but I, I mainly, I just see disaster in the general. I just see disaster in the general for for her and 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 probably for Biden. Well, there's really no reason to believe that she has political talent. Like we've, there's never huh. been, as far as I know, it's not like she was a great star in the minor leagues and did no. a whole bunch of great things and then got promoted and like, oh, it's her first season. No, like I don't, as far as I know, there's never been a great, she's never actually she had, had a great one moment. viral moment. And I've heard you talk about this on DMZ, Matt, because it, that viral moment didn't even wind up bearing fruit. It was in the Brett Kavanaugh hearings before the Me oh, Too yeah, part, right, before right. the Me Too phase. And she's doing, you know, she is a prosecutor. She's good at badgering people. She was doing an effective job. She was saying, like, do you know people at this law firm? And, and she's getting him defensive. It's like you're, you're making progress. He seemed to have something to hide. It was very effective. That really went viral. My wife is like, then, I love this yeah. woman. And, but because and, but I think, then but, she didn't deliver. It was right. like the next day we're waiting. Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll drop it. What are what is the what why is this connection nefarious? We never heard. So yeah. but but I think that <laughs> moment put her on the radar screen. Mm -hmm. And you know, she can do various kinds of scripted things pretty well. I think she overdoes it sometimes, but fine. But she doesn't she doesn't handle herself. She she doesn't think on her feet well. She doesn't uh, but, there, but there are other politicians who have succeeded in life who also are not good at these things. You know, ni neither George Bush was fantastic in all circumstances. Uh, Jimmy Carter had you know, came out real hot in 76, but then his weaknesses began to materialize. And still I think those guys were there. much better on their feet than Kamala. Much Bush? better. Either Bush? Yeah. Well, well not, I can not hear George you. W. And the not people George who w. knocked down those buildings could hear us. Could hear us <laughs> not all. George W. No, I, I meant I meant his father. But uh, his, but his father the, had plenty, plenty, Yeah, I mean, H.W. had the watch thing in '92. Um, there was a whole book of gaffes that got published. Those were bad uh, raps. The the thing at the supermarket, people were just picking <laughs> on him, man. Those were those were <laughs> trivial things. You look at your fucking watch during a debate, <laughs> and it's a crime. I mean, come on. <laughs> but the but these things mattered at the time. And Bill Clinton didn't do the same thing. It was just a hostile thing. media. It was just a hostile media. And those were those were I, I not. Think he's, big I'm going to agree with Bob on this one. Uh, you might be surprised, but I, but I think. And, and by the way, uh, you know the the idea that the RNC doesn't want to do these debates, you know, and and now that now that we have the ability to have a parallel infrastructure, par parallel media, you can understand why Republicans felt like they were getting screwed. Because of things like that. Well, because there are Democrats saying that the media has been overly uh, attentive to inflation and ignored job growth and wage hikes and how we got through the pandemic without an economic collapse. You know, I mean, everyone's got their media complaint. Good, okay. poli good politicians. More people have thrive. died under more people have died from COVID under Joe Biden. Well, well, yeah, that, that, and that would be a fair comment for the media to make. That would actually <laughs> depict how they he handled COVID versus Trump. Uh, every. A great politician can thrive in hostile environments. A great politician can find a way to either not make gaffes or overcome gaffes. Everyone makes little mistakes or everyone can, deals with things that get overhyped by the media. And great politicians have a bond with the public and a certain kind of aplomb that allows them to persevere. And I'm not saying Kamala has yeah, all that. But, but, but the I'm deck is stacked against... I'm saying she's getting treated more harshly now. than other typical average politicians who no. have, have suffered the same thing. It's, let me, I'll put it to you this way. Um, I agree with you that great politicians like Ronald Reagan and Bill Clinton, they are so talented, they can overcome it. But 
not everyone has those uh, is, is that blessed. If Kamala Harris were a Republican, she would be Dan Quayle. She would be a laughing stock right now. And every, you know, Jimmy Kimmel and whoever, I don't even know who's on late night TV, they would never be done making fun of her. The John Stewart's of the world. If she were a Republican, she would be pale and eyes, she would be quail and eyes, whatever. And Republicans would love her all the more and, and tout her to be the next president of the United States. Okay, but what about back in the day before Donald Trump, before Fox News, before Rush Limbaugh? She would have been destroyed by the media. Well, I, I think I, I, she's just also, she's just such a good figure for a Trump to run against, you know? She's like almost brought on from central casting. Yeah. Uh, well, not I mean, not I mean, fairly necessarily, but, you know, uh, the, the, the subtext would be this is just more identity politics, you know, and uh, that's why I, I, I think she should have spent her time transcending that stereotype, transcending that caricature. She needs to showing the sister, she, sister soldier moments. I mean, I don't think it to be that that crass. But I just think she should, she should have had more time talking about bread and butter issues on factory floors, hanging out with construction workers and all that kind of thing to say, uh, I'm a Biden Democrat. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not a Berkeley Democrat. I'm a Biden Democrat. I mean, that's not, not say that bluntly, but give that impression. Uh, and they haven't invested the time into, into broadening her brand. I agree. I agree. And how come nobody does these things anymore? Like what Bill is describing is a like very logical, smart, you know, political PR strategy, and nobody does that anymore. I don't understand why they're not doing things like that. I mean, they did a little, I mean, she's done a few things like that, just not nearly as much as I would have thought and not so much that overwhelms. When you're, other, trying other to when you're trying to change perceptions and create a brand, you don't nibble around the edges. You have to beat people over the head with them. What I think it, people don't easily accept is that being president is hard being president in ongoing crisis is hard. Uh, and it's hard to think through every little thing that you should be doing when you're dealing with a fire hose of problems. But Kamala's uh, not president. And I would think that if I were her, I would be spending at least half my time because she's God knows she's not solving the border crisis. She's not going to the border. Very, you know, if I were her, I would be spending a lot of time thinking, how can I position myself to be to win the presidency and that has to be done in concert with Biden. She can't go off on her own. Any, any indication you were talking she, about hugging Biden, that would be right, her brand. Right. It's hugging I mean, Biden. But, but like they, they, that needs anything they do has to be coordinated. So, you know, Biden gave you the immigration portfolio, obviously a hot potato, not designed to really get, make her, allow her to show her her best self. And I don't know what was this. I'm not saying that she was, he was trying to sabotage her. It might've been thought through with, I'm going to put you in these tough situations to sh so you'll have the ability to say 24. I dealt with X, I dealt with Y, and I dealt with yeah. Z, and these people have it. Um, but it, uh, in retrospect, I think that probably wasn't the best way to deploy her, unless she was going to become a border hawk and wrap mm -hmm. herself in the flag, and you know. But she didn't want to do that, and she didn't do that. I mean, that immigration is just such an an impossible subject. It's a tough one. It's no, a tough one no, for a Democrat. Well, there, but there are Democrats. Yeah. There are Democrats in Texas who are on Fox News talking about it. You know, I mean, I, I mean, guess it's, it's hard as a vice it's president it's to go on TV. Yeah, and but they're alienating your, other Democrats. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the uh, 
I mean, she may be moving toward the outer space portfolio and space, as you may have heard, connects us. It unites. Did you, well, did you, you hear know, the comma I mean, of space? That, that kind of, I, I saw <laughs> that was kind of unfair, kind yeah, of unfair editing. He's, but, he's like totally, totally banal politician comments that they all make. Yeah, but see, the but don't thing, get clipped for her. No, but what it was, was, first of all, it was. It was banal enough to have, I think, a red flashing light, like a good editor goes, no, this is good. But also, she just delivered it with such, you know, drama and empathy, and it just came off as so ridiculous. Space unites us. You know, I think you, it could, just, I think you, you could play that trick with almost any politician. But we just don't do it you, to every politician. You could. I mean, and, and that gets back to poor George, the first Bush. It's like he, he looks at his watch and he's toast. Uh, mm. You know, and part of the question is like, what is the media going to seize on? Of course, these days, there is no the media. There's just yeah. one tribe's media and the others. And it may be that it almost doesn't matter because you can always dishonestly edit stuff. They can you can make Joe Biden look senile if he sounds like William Jennings Bryant for the next two years. You can still do it. Uh, well, but, wasn't and, there a clip a clip recently where it looks like Biden is turning to try to shake hands with someone who's not even there? Yeah, but it, it turned out he was at least according to the, the fact checker, and I don't know, but uh, apparently he was just like gesturing to the crowd. Um, yeah, but yeah, it was, that could it was, be. And yeah. I mean, so what if he did? So what if there had been a guy there who then moved back at, as he was talking or something? I mean, but but that's a perfect example of how yeah. editing can do anything. And more and more, you know, you just got these two media ecosystems that are going to edit the hell out of everything. And so you're toast in one ecosystem, yeah. no matter what you do. I don't know. There's but, no, but ob if, no, if, but no objective have, reality, of course. If you have a good bond problem. with the public, <clears throat> that stuff can bounce off of you. Uh, and you know, Kamala has, I think, a certain bond with a with a section of the Democratic Party, but it's not broad enough as it stands today yeah. to easily survive that. And the, but the problem is, there is no one else on the bench that is perfectly situated to play that role. I would say if it's Trump versus Kamala, I definitely would bet Trump. But you know, you know, Trump. Um, I mean, it's it's not like Trump played immigration just to a T and rode to re-election that way. Like he has his own problems. He has his own limitations as a candidate. Um, so, I mean, I, I, it's so much is gonna hinge upon what does the actual economy look like in 2024, which we cannot know today. But we are pundits today, Bill. <laughs> we are pundit, punditing today. Yeah, hey, I'm. I'm like 20 minutes late to a meeting. So, so, so Bill has somebody more important than you and me to talk to. Hey, I, I, I'm. I'm staying them up for you. I, we're, I, we're, I, we're just. I, we're, we were just. A I give you 12 through. of the best years of my life, and this is how you repay exactly, me. Exactly. Exactly. I just want to close by joining you, Matt, in chastising Bill for not being conversant, <laughs> not being conversant in the Andy Griffith oeuvre. Yes. Uh, that, Great this show. Is, this is the America I grew up in. When I grew up, it was like, it was a weekly show. This is pre-reruns. Mm -hmm. This is the America that I grew up in. It was, it was a great place to be. And Bill, you should do better. I just want to close with those words. <laughs> yes. Bill, do better. I concur. So, so folks, I, I think the way this will work is, this will be on the Blogging Heads YouTube channel. From now on, they should look for your show YouTube-wise on the Matt Lewis YouTube channel. It will still be on the Blogging Heads site. For you know, at least a couple of months to come, it will be on the Blind Heads audio podcast feed. If those things are going to change, you will get, uh, I think, plenty of notice 
via you guys and your astute uh, public relations skills, right? I'm going to employ Bill Share's excellent messaging. Oh, that, that is the that is the first mistake. The there. advice he would give uh, give Kamala is the advice we're going to use to promote this podcast. Well, let, let's hit the factory floors. <laughs> that, that should work. I just think if you keep reminding people that space unites us, I think you you'll both be fine. <laughs> so stick with that. Hey, and thanks. You know, I, I'm glad uh, the DMZ is uh, going to continue to thrive. I will continue to uh, listen in and I encourage you to do it if possible. Every single Thursday saves me a lot of time. Uh, just, you just sit there hitting refresh, wondering why. I'm starting why to think about just when, when, it, have, when Mickey will say <laughs> something to me and then just hit play and have one of you guys respond <laughs> and then, you know, sit back and watch. But anyway, until then, I will just be a, a parasite on your show. Uh, parasitic upon you, as they say <laughs> in uh, biology. And uh, really appreciate all you've done. Keep it up. We will, we will see you in all the aforementioned venues. Thank you. And you always, always welcome in the DMZ, Bob. Yes. I, this was fun. I, I, I will, I'll take you up on that. Excellent. Okay. Take care. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.